Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Kyle Kira. Marler, we're doing something a little different today instead of debates down south. And we're just going to talk about the Bulls, Doc. That's all we're going to do. Um, no, just kidding. We're, we're going to talk about the NFL draft today because it is draft week. But yeah. can we talk about the Bulls, Doc? Without a doubt, man. It was awesome. We watched it last night. So um, it was so good. Yeah. I bet uh, – I'm, I'm trying to think, like, I, one, I wish I wish they would just put out not all ten. Like, don't, like, stream it immediately like Netflix because I would have watched all of them. Same. But I hate the fact that we have to wait a full week to get the next installment. I kind of like it. Um, as much – I agree with you. I would just binge watch it. I, I, yeah. I tweeted this out. I would have stayed up all night watching, watching yeah. it. I would have just stayed up until 8 in the morning. No big deal. Um, but I kind of like, though, that it's giving us – this one thing to look forward to on Sunday night. I cannot wait for that. Like I have that, yeah. that, that, that ready to record in the DVR and I'm just going to be counting down. I'm not trying to, you know, just wish my way to that point, but I am very yeah. much looking forward to that over pretty much anything the rest of the week that's going on in, in the world. Even well, thanks, maybe- we do three podcasts in between them, but yeah, it's like I, but I agree with you. Like there's, there's not, I, I just didn't, I feel like I know a lot about sports and when I was, eight or 10 or 11 or all the above i was like a, not like a huge bulls fan but i definitely love the bulls because i love michael jordan and watch them win like all the, like i remember i, I told out last time i was like oh my gosh yeah i used to sit in the backyard and be like three two one like i was john paxton it's like arguably like the least important person on that entire whoa team, but he, had the, whoa. he had the big shot but no so it was it was really well done it was really interesting the way they did it um i know you had to be bummed because horace grant no love all right so horace grant like I knew that he wasn't going to get a lot of love in this because it is the last dance. It's not about the first three-peat. It's about the second sure. three-peat. I knew that it was going to be way more Rodman. There's going to be so much more Rodman in this next episode because they lead in yeah. with the bad boy Pistons and all those different things. But, man, this is my childhood. Like, th- this is yeah. it. Th- even more so than the Cubs for me. Like, this is truly my childhood. This is what, what I grew up with because living in the suburbs of Chicago – that was everything. I didn't care about yeah. the Bears growing up. The the you know the, the major league I baseball strike up until Sammy Sosa didn't really care about the Cubs more than like a casual fan. The Bulls were everything. The Bulls I didn't yeah. they changed my perception of sports. They're they're the reason that I became uh, a sports writer. I, I mean everything that that I currently do and in, in my yeah. life that I have an interest in stemmed from the Chicago Bulls. I, I said this before. I started reading. Because I would collect basketball cards and I'd read the back of them because I love the Bulls I you're so kidding much. Me, you said that. No, I wasn't kidding. That's a hundred percent true story. Um, I was doing that before kindergarten. So what up? Good for you. Um, I learned my multiplication tables from football. Yeah, of course. I, I, football is the reason that I'm good at, at quick math. And like my wife, who yeah. was my wife, who was like almost valedictorian at her high school, uh, you know, with a class of six hundred people or whatever, and just yeah. way way smarter than me. The one thing I can do better than her is quick math because of football. Yeah, mental. That's like all, mental math and cursive handwriting is pretty much all I have, and I can out eat almost anybody. So, ooh, that's good too. There you go. That's really good. Yeah, yeah this Bulls doc, um, it was it was so so good. Like it, it yeah. lived up to the hype, which I feel like nothing ever does, but this this did. It absolutely did. I I, I think it, one it did. I'm not like diminishing any of it, but like we we all just in general needed this so badly. Gosh, we because there's nothing to watch right now. There's nothing going on. So I think that was another one of the main reasons. Not main reasons, but. One of the, like the other reasons why it like definitely did seem like it was it was awesome, man. I can't I can't wait to watch the next one. I had no idea about the Scottie Pippen stuff. I had no idea about that that they used to just bully that fat little owner, Jerry, Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause uh, is not looking the best Great. after no. this, but yeah, I mean, anyway. and and that's the, that's the thing too that I love about it also is like even though I grew up in this in this era and I consumed it so much, there's so many details about this that we're still kind of figuring out. I'm like, oh yeah. I forgot yeah. that Pippen was the 122nd highest paid player in the NBA entering this season. No wonder he was and upset. Jimmy Sexton was his uh, was his agent. Crazy, right? Ridiculous. Yeah, um, but hopefully everybody is is watching that as well. Sunday Night Entertainment. It is it is top notch. The good news for us though is we have entertainment before Sunday night. We do have the NFL draft. It's going to be weird because it's not going to be the draft in its traditional fashion because of COVID-19 and this cyber draft, essentially. Roger Goodell Mm -hmm. announcing picks out of his basement, which is kind of kind of fitting and it feels feels just. I don't know about every everything is going to look exactly like that, like that Brett Favre pick from 1990, 1991 that we all make fun of. 
That's how every single thing is going to look. Every single one of them. I'm I'm very interested to see how this is going to work. They apparently were already trying to do some sort of a mock, like a, a mock beforehand today. Oh, like and a dry run? Yeah, like a dry run. And Schefter tweets out, we're already having technical difficulties. Pick one. Brutal. So that's a good sign. That's, I mean, that's always positive, right? Like... The fact that it's gonna, we have to rely on everyone understanding how to use technology on top of the actual technology we have to use, that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare situation for me. It's not gonna go well. It's, I have, people are gonna say that they got hacked, that, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to pick this guy in the first round. It's, it's gonna be ugly. How, how do they really prevent that? I, I have no idea. I'm not tech savvy yeah. enough to know how they're gonna prevent people from hacking draft systems, but if we can figure out a way to do a fantasy football draft, we should be able to figure out a way to do this too. That's just Agreed. my thought. So, Agreed. And oh, by the way, this draft, um, GMs wanted it moved back. I mean, that was like that was one of the things that Schefter kept reporting too, that, that this whole thing going off in the timing that it is, yes, it's great because it gives us entertainment, all these things, but GMs don't feel like they've been able to get their full you know, a lot yeah. of research done and they've had visits that have been prevented because nobody can fly anywhere, all that stuff. We don't know I how it's going to that work. we were actually going to still do it until like like a week ago. I was like, oh yeah, I guess the draft is coming up. Draft That's is fun. still happening, technically. So there you go. What we do know is that the SEC is inevitably going to make it 14 years in a row with the most draft picks. I mean, let's just, let's etch it in stone. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, last year, the SEC broke its own record with um, 64 players picked in the draft. That could be up for grabs as well. Let's get to some of these storylines because they're as weird as this draft is. There are storylines that aren't related to that that we'd still be talking about even if we didn't have you know all of this coronavirus stuff going on. And, and for my money, the biggest storyline in the draft, and you know people are going to disagree with this if they're not a Bama fan, whatever. It, it's Tua. Tua and what happens with him because of the injury, because of all this this crap that's been reported yeah. about him. And let me just say, like, it bothers me so much that we are acting like things are constantly changing with Tua, with him, yeah. and, and, and how, the way that he's being evaluated. That's what I don't get. Like, we saw Mel Kuyper drop Tua on his big board and put Justin Herbert ahead of him. There's all these rumors that the Dolphins are more interested in Herbert. Three teams apparently took Tua off their entire draft board, whatever. You know what? Dude got injured six months ago. Six months ago. What has changed since then that we feel the need to be like, oh, yeah, you know, Mel Kuyper. He healed. Like, Mel Kuyper comes out and says, if you look at Tua, the injury is the only factor in his durability moving forward as to why I put Herbert at number five and Tua at number six to the Chargers. Yeah. Six months ago. What are we well, doing? Well, thanks, Mel. I'm really glad you, you finally figured that out on your 17th mock draft for this. And you're like, so I admittedly will defend Tua because I just don't think that people understand that. I don't think we're going to appreciate how great he was in the small window of time. Like in, I agree. Especially yep. with how small of a window of time that he did it in. And like we we did the SCS roundtable thing today, and it was like, would you risk a top ten pick on him? And I w- I went through the stats again, and it was like, he played he started twenty four games, twenty four games, and he finished his career with the seventh most seventh most passing touchdowns in SC history, ninth most total touchdowns in SC history, number one in yards per attempt and uh, passer efficiency, and the passer passer efficiency was number one in the history of college football, all time. And he also did all of that while only attempting 41 career passes in the fourth quarter. He, he was really good. So now, now since I'm done saying that, whoever's like listening to this, you can just yell at the radio, he's on because he had good receivers around him, or whatever. I just don't understand why he's so polarizing, because any other time you have a kid that's overcome this much adversity that's not his fault, it would be celebrated. And, and I, it, to an extent it is, but for the most part, it's really, really scrutinized, and and I get why, like that if you know if he's injury prone, you can't take that risk or whatever. But the fact is, I think they said three teams took him off their board completely. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Those three teams weren't even needing to draft a quarterback. Exactly. So, so it's like you're just saying like, they're just saying things, and the one thing that makes it even worse is you also have since there's no other sports going on right now, you have all these like ESPN pundits that like Ryan Leaf. I don't need to hear Ryan Leaf's theory on why he's not a top top five in this draft I, I, I don't care about that 
But in the same way, I don't need to hear somebody else say, like, Trent Dilfer's like, honestly, he looks better. He looks better than he did before, like, when he was uh, pre-injury. Like, no, he doesn't. No, and that's the thing is, is nothing has really changed about Tua. Like, this, the same things that we were questioning about him six months ago are still true because he's not going to be playing live football until he gets out there in September. It's yeah. Until September, even if he's going through OTAs and all those different things. It's like, well, dude just had one of the most unprecedented surgeries, and yes, he can come back from that, but he still dealt with a lot of injuries in a very short period of time, and there's no guarantee that he's going to look like his former self when he gets that contact back because there's no I way there's no way that you can simu- that you can simulate two 300 pound dudes falling on you like that like like that there's just no way that you can do it it's a risk no matter what but like let's stop acting like oh we saw this video so this means that he's good to go or like oh hey you know everybody i'm 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 changing my thinking on you know based on what i've seen from his health and stuff it's like no you're not you're just bored and you're trying to come up with a new angle to talk about Tua. Well, and, and like the all the hot takes about it, like because like God, we, somebody posted this in like the the SDS Facebook page or the podcast Facebook page, and people just went off about it, and which it's, I understand. I didn't realize he was that polarizing of a, of a player, but if if you're sitting here telling me as a fan that like he's injury prone or you know it's too risky, fine. But if you're sitting here telling me that you think that Justin Herbert is a better quarterback and that you can watch both of them play, and you, you would say I want that guy, I want Justin Herbert leading my football team over to a you know, we probably just don't need to have conversations about football anymore. This, I think he's he looks he looks the part and all that kind of stuff. And but honestly, and the thing is, if he falls late in the first round, that's probably for the best. He doesn't need to go into a situation where he's going to start right away. Like, I, I, he needs to probably sit out for a year and, and get like you know learn the system, all that kind of stuff. I'll say it: if Tua falls below five, I'll be stunned. I'll be stunned, and I know what everybody's been saying, and I realize that the Patriots are apparently trying to move up and you know get into the top ten, maybe to take him. All these different things. I'll be stunned if he falls past five because I've I've been of the belief that all these different things that we're hearing about Tua, it all goes back to Miami Dolphins. And look, yep. there's a reason that the Dolphins wanted to have him come to their facility before any other college prospect, but they couldn't because all the, the stuff with you know the coronavirus and, and, and not being able to, to host draft picks because of flights and all that stuff, they wanted to host him first. And ever since then, we've heard all these different things, all these different rumblings going on there. These are smoke screens galore. You, Cut us out. I mean, until until I actually see Tua slip in the draft, I'm not going to believe all these different things about, oh, yeah, you know, the Dolphins are, are more interested in Justin Herbert. You know what they're interested in? Making sure that they don't have to give up an additional first-round pick or something like that in order to get Tua. We so, see it every year. Every year. Every year this always hey, happens. And the thing is, like, I don't, I don't care where he goes in the draft. I don't care if he's drafted in the seventh round or the first round. As long as that kid goes to a place where he's healthy and he can succeed and is like put into a good situation, that's all anybody should really want. Yeah, of I, course. I just, so anyway, yeah, I, I was like the, one of the guys from Pro Football Focus. He actually just uh, just tweeted out like literally right before we came on here that his his last mock draft he had the Dolphins trading up to two with the Redskins to get him. I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out. I, Adam yeah. Spencer and I did a mock draft and we had in the mock draft. Um, two trades, one of which was the Dolphins trading up to three with the Lions mm-hmm. and getting to that spot so that they'd be able to take two of there and not have any sort of you know wishy-washy feelings. Are they going to stick with right. Matthew Stafford? Like We don't know NFL teams to that extent, so I'm not going to pretend like I know every single team and their interests and all that stuff, but my gosh, I mean, there's been like really nothing truly going on with Tua other than, oh, you you see a video here or there, or there's this report about the Wonderlick score when, like, can we talk about that for, for a brief second? Because We absolutely can. That, I, I was, I, that I mean, was, it was very surprising. Like, that, that whole thing comes out where, where apparently you got, like, a 13, but, oh, by the way, that was before he was even, you know, eligible for the draft, and then he actually got, like, a 19. Weird. Very oh, weird. I didn't, see, I didn't hear any of that. I heard, I, what I thought I read was he got a 9, or maybe I'm mixing that up with Jerry Judy. Because, and the, the issue with this is, the misinformation that goes along with it is, first off, the Wonderlick, and listen up, boys and girls, because I'm pretty much a genius when it comes to the Wonderlick, and I don't care how that Remember, sounds. I got yes. a 47 on it, and I definitely have taken it multiple times, and I understand how it works. All it is is, like, word and math problems. It's a problem-solving, like, creative problem-solving test, 12 minutes, 50 questions. It has 
people that say apparently if it's under if you score under 11 like that's that's barely li- or that's literate no like that's like don't say somebody's how would they have taken the damn test if they were illiterate Seriously. and still scored an 11 I, like so the misinformation about that is what bothers me because it's like all right you know what they obviously are, either weren't that bright or had a, didn't do well in the test don't say they're illiterate that's like such a, <laughs> such like a that's such a stretch um i don't think it's going to matter either way i, I mean no one's going to be asking him to solve like the Rubik's cube. Exactly. Yeah, I just I think all of this stuff is just so overblown. I keep thinking, who would tell Schefter? Oh, by the way, the Dolphins aren't as all in on Tua as people thought. Like, who is actually coming out and saying that? What's the motive? What would be the motivation to put that out there? Like, what what's yeah. that going to generate? Like, it's not like somebody is you know a disgruntled employee. Five. It's so weird. Uh, so, anyways, I'm I'm ready for all that stuff to be over. I hope the best for Tua. I hope he stays healthy. I think it's a risk. It's obviously a risk. Anybody that has that amount of injuries, but he's crazy talented. We've seen what he can do on the football field. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy and we get to see him potentially maximize his ability. The Bengals. Why don't they just announce that they're picking Joe Burrow? Am I? That is weird. Right? Usually you see that by now. Is it because they haven't figured out a, like they haven't like finalized his contract? Well, that used to be the thing, is that you used to have to negotiate the contract before the draft, and if you hadn't, it was this, oh, what's going to happen? Remember, like, Bo Jackson with Tampa Bay Bucks? The Bucks still took him at number one overall, but they're like, oh, hey, we don't have a contract negotiated. This is kind of a bad deal right now. I don't know if, because of the rookie wage scale and and what what happened with that in the earlier part of the decade, you can't necessarily, like, that's not as drawn out of a process as it used to be, so people didn't feel like you needed to get ahead of it. But I do feel like teams used to announce this stuff all the time because if the Bengals aren't trading the pick, which as long as they're not trading the pick and if they are dead set on Joe Burrow, what's really the harm? Oh, you're not going to have somebody come out and be like, hey, I'll give you seven first-round picks for him? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, maybe it's because we haven't really had sports in general that I, I don't feel like I've seen this as much, but... You don't, you don't see, I, I don't feel like I've seen as much talk about, like, I see talk about Joe Burrow, and I see talk about the draft. I don't see that much talk about, like, Joe Burrow and how he's going to fit in at Cincinnati or fit in with that culture or whatever else. Um, I, I mean, I'm assuming, I mean, like, we just, we don't ever see any kind of, like, well, not ever, but, like, besides, like, 2004 and maybe the Drew Brees thing, we don't really see a lot of drama with the number one overall pick. Hey, really don't. I, I go back to um, Mario Williams, Reggie Bush. That was a big deal. Yeah. That was that was really surprising when he was taking number one overall. Like, how are you gonna pass on Reggie Bush to take this defensive yeah. end that like yeah, yeah, people know about, but I mean he's Reggie Bush, and that actually right. ended up being a, a pretty smart pick. But yeah, it is it is kind of interesting that this this thing that we all expect to happen hasn't really been fully, you know, announced yet or anything like that. I mean, I'd be stunned if they didn't take him number one overall. The other thing though yeah. to remember with this is and I think I think the NFL has a little bit of a hand in this and telling people, look, we've got some bills to pay. We'd appreciate right. it. You can you can have this done on you know behind closed doors, all those things. But we'd like it if there was just that tiny bit of suspense yeah. for people to tune into the number one pick. I mean, we don't want to know who's going to get that rose until the end of the ceremony. Exactly. So it's like, yeah, get Chris Hansen up there and figure it out. Not Chris Hansen. Why do I say Chris that? Harrison. Chris Harrison. I always say that. Um, no, I agree. I agree. I think. Uh, Burrow is going to go number one overall, no matter what. I, w- I tell you what, I would love it if, like, as much as we just talked about the Dolphins taking Tua, if the Dolphins traded up last minute and then took Burrow. Or there was, like, some sort of big surprise. You know what I mean? I'd like that, too, because otherwise it feels like this is going to be pretty elementary, at least in, in the first two picks. But I, I can't imagine, if you're the Bengals and if you trade that pick away, like, that's, that's the type of stuff that gets you fired. You've got an Ohio kid who just had the best season in college football history and if you're like, you know what, we actually don't want this right. guy um, because you have an offensive-minded head coach in Zach Taylor, not the president, the former Nebraska quarterback. Um, yeah, it's just it, it would be a weird move if the Bengals did anything but take Burrow right. number one overall. Um, okay, so this is something a little bit different, and we did this last year too, but I, and I'll explain this in, the, in, in a way that makes everybody hopefully understand this. The coldest, way too early 2020 NFL draft takes from last year. So what we're going to do, you know, like when, when the draft ends and immediately we've got McShay and Matt Miller and I think Daniel Jeremiah does one as well. Maybe. Oh, 
They've already got the 2021 mock drafts. Like I, I, I saw a seven round full. What? Yes. Seven like, rounds? They, seven rounds. They had like eight Bama players in the first round or something like that. And they had like Josh Job was like going off in like the like late. Pro- I was like, is Josh Job a starter? Like what is happening right now? <laughs> oh my God. I, so, so for the people that though, like that are actually respected, they yeah. at least wait until after the draft to come out with, with their way too early mock drafts. So I think it's fun just to look back on it a year later. And obviously, McShay always says it's his least favorite thing. He hates it. He right. absolutely despises doing it. I don't think our guy Matt Miller likes it very much either. But you're just guaranteeing you're going to be wrong. Just like yeah. you just go look stupid. Here's your assignment. To their credit, I will say looking back on this because I looked back at McShay's mock. I looked back at Matt Miller's mock. They did pretty good. They actually did pretty did good. Better than they did in years past. In years past, the reason that I first wanted to do this was... Remember when people were saying that Nick Fitzgerald was a first-round pick? That's one of <laughs> one of the dumbest things I've uh, ever heard to this day. Poor, poor Matt Miller. Um, like him very much, but that was that was a rough one to, to walk back. Your best. Yeah, I, I remember um, Tom McShay had oh, who was it? it was Mitch Leidner, the Minnesota quarterback. Who's Mitch Leidner, you ask? Yeah, he's, what? He's a guy who's undrafted, but he had that in his way too early 2016 mock draft, and Minnesota fans. To this day, if you ask them about this, they'll be like, yeah, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in sports history. Yeah, I mean, who was the other kid from Iowa? So Nate Stanley was in McShay's way too early mock last year, and he's he's, right. he's probably going to be a mid-round guy. But, yeah, looking back, that was one of the one of the tougher ones that I found. They had, um, what was the other one, too? They had, a, I mean, well, obviously Matt Miller was like, he was really high on from. Yes. I remember him coming on the podcast saying that he, he could potentially be the number one overall pick. So he had – Matt had Fromm at number four overall. I think he had Tua at like number nine overall, but he definitely had Fromm ahead of Tua, right. first quarterback coming off the board, which is kind of crazy to think about too because quarterbacks are going in the top two pretty much every time, um, at least in this yeah. day and age. Also had Raekwon Davis, a guy that we've talked about a lot, and I always see whatever we talk about he's him. Been, it's, he's been a, a first-round pick for like since 2012. I, as long as year. as long as Hunter Renfro has been in college, Raekwon exactly. Davis has been a first-round pick. Yeah, he had uh, Matt Miller had Raekwon Davis at number 15 overall. McShay had him at number 14 overall. Here's a bad one: McShay had Nick Coe at 19 overall. I remember seeing that last year, and I was like, mm. "Who in the hell is Nick Coe?" And and that's that's one of the reasons I thought like Auburn's D line. I mean, they were obviously the best D line in the country. But I was like, very early on, I was like, oh my gosh, like Auburn might be the best in the trenches team in the conference with that four offensive linemen coming back. And then, I mean, like I, I knew the other names: Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, Big Cat, Nick Coe. That's the one he chose. Like there was only three or four of them. Well, he he also had those guys in there. He also had those guys in there. It wasn't just yeah. Nick Coe. That would be a tougher look. I think I'm pretty sure he had Derek Brown like the top. Five or something like that. I mean, okay. he, had, he had him really, really high. I think he had Marlon Davidson in his first round as well. But yeah, Nick you know Coe. The worst ugh. one. The worst one, like that. And, and I mean, I'll just admit it. Like, I, I said it on this podcast. We went over like a way too early look ahead at next year's draft. Mm-hmm. And it was like cause this time last year. And were you, one of the questions you asked was who's the guy that there's no way oh, yeah. they would end up in the first round? And I said, Henry Ruggs. Asked, I would put any amount of money on it, Henry Ruggs. And you were like, you're like, why? Like, like, I could see Ruggs. And I was like, okay. First off, I was like, I know he's fast, whatever. But, like, you tell me a time Bama's ever had two receivers taken in the first round, ever. Right? right? And lo and behold, he, <laughs> so I was very wrong about that. Yeah, probably, probably going to be in mid, middle of the first round, something like that. Um Seen rugs mocked anywhere from like eleven to twenty-five, just kind of depends. But yeah, you're you're gonna end up with with some some egg on your face. I said, yeah, uh, I think I said Terrell Lewis for that one. You did, yeah, yeah. He, Which, so there's a rumor today that said he was taken off of half the draft boards in the NFL because he didn't pass his uh, physical. Yikes! But just just half of them. So I don't know what's going on with those doctors for the other ones. But that's who you want to get your prescriptions from, guys. Jeez, I'll tell you. Um, a couple other of the. Uh, of the, of the ones that I, I thought stood out were noteworthy. And, and I get these ones. Uh, Jared Pinckney, Albert O, late first rounders in McShay's way too early mock. Listen, those guys were getting preseason All-America love. They were considered, 
as good of tight ends as there were in all of college football, front runners for the Mackey Award. Neither of those guys had the year that we thought that they could have. And now they're kind of more maybe middle of the pack, potentially yeah. day three guys. I know people are still pretty high on Alberto, but there's durability issues with him as well. And the fact that he's never played more than nine games in a season. That's I mean, crazy. Right? Nine games every year. That's what he does. Um, but, yeah, I actually thought that they were pretty good. I, I The only lazy QB thing that I, I really saw was was Nate Stanley at Iowa. They didn't do the whole, hey, this guy is 6'5". He had that one good game against a top yeah. five team. Let's just say that he's in the first round. They did, they really kind of deviated from that. Maybe there's more of a priority because now with the Coltics exposed of the world or people like us that will go back and, and mock them. Um, I, that's what I called it last year. I called it mocking the mocks. That's right. Yeah. And to be fair, there's not a single person outside of Joe Burrow himself that ever thought Joe Burrow was going to be the number one overall pick. And think about how weird that is to say versus what we think of him now. Like now it's not even in question. It's like, yeah, duh. Here's a funny thought. Um, so Michael Bratton, who our, our coworker, who I, I respect really well and (laughs) your words, not mine. Um, I had sent him a message, like, I think it was middle of October and it was the first time, I think it was Matt Miller actually, who had, yeah, it was Matt Miller. He had Joe Burrow as his number one overall, either on his big board or like in some mid season mock draft. And I sent this message to Michael. I'm like, Hey, this is, this is a newsworthy thing. That's kind of something we do at SDS. Like if we see something that's newsworthy, we kind of forward it to our news team, whatever that happens all the time. And um, he's like, wait a minute, isn't this the same guy who said that Nick Fitzgerald was going to be a first-round pick? <laughs> and Mike, Mike is, I mean, he, he'll he'd be the first to admit, like he's, you know, he's eating his fair share of crow and all that stuff too. But I mean, even in the middle of October, though, that thought was at least out there, and that's how quickly I, things changed, at least with Joe Burrow, and how how quickly, you know, our our, our perceptions of of these quarterbacks can change. Nick Fitzgerald, like. Whenever I think of him passing, I don't think of him like throwing a football. Like, like if he, if he went to the combine, it, I I would not think he would ever do drills. It's like, all right, you're gonna hit this target, or like you know like how they do like a Pro Bowl. It's like, hey, we set up like these targets, and these yeah, nets. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I feel like his would just be like, hey, we set up these targets. There's a window behind it at someone's house. You just sail that thing as hard <laughs> as you can and break the out of that window. Like that that's what he did to practice. Has Nick Fitzgerald underthrown a receiver yet? Never. In his not, life? Not once in his entire life. John Rice Plumley has not overthrown. Nick Fitzgerald has not underthrown. This to be made. Five non-first-round SEC guys that I'm super high on. And I think yeah, are... Do you want me to weigh in on this? Just as what you... Like... Yeah, I was, I'll, I'll, list, I'll list my five. Any that come to mind, interrupt at any given point. I'm, um, I'm just asking. I didn't know if I was a part of this, this segment. No, no, no. no. I was going to ask you about this as well. Um, I wanted to say I because this is not necessarily you, and you are subject to, to disagree with this. And you, if you disagree with you know me saying that this given prospect is going to have success in the NFL, feel free. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's start with Marlon Davidson, a guy that I think we're both pretty high on. Um, Love that dude. I, I'm surprised that he's kind of fallen out of the first round conversation, at least from the mocks that, that we've seen so far. Um, somebody who is a three-floor defensive end with that size, I gotta think he's gonna have a market at the next level, right? Yeah, that size is ridiculous, man. He, how how big is he again? Huge, massive. Yes, that's that's fair. I want to say he's like six six. Is he, is he three twenty or is that? I know Derek Brown is. Derek Brown's like six. Derek five, Brown's three. bigger. Um, Okay. I, I don't know what Davidson officially weighed in at. I'd have to look that up. But okay. I mean, he he fits. I've got this P, uh, PFF. Uh, draft preview thing up here that I thought was going to be a help. It is not. It is a thousand pages of Shots each for each player, and I'm I'm still just in the, like the the quarterbacks. Jeez, goodness gracious! I'll tell you when I get there. Go keep going. <laughs> Marlon Davidson probably going to fall into the second round, so that's why I included him in this group. But I mean, guy that Auburn fans came to love and his pass rushing ability at that size. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on teams to want to move him to the inside, but. Leave him, right. leave him on the outside and just kind of watch him go and attack some offensive tackles. All right, Lynn Bowden. The one knock I could see on that is just the fact that he, he went up. He, he was, I mean, he played right next to the best defensive lineman in the entire class. Best interior defensive lineman in the entire class. True, true, also true. Uh, Lynn Bowden, who I think if, if I'm going to bet on a non-first rounder in the SEC to succeed, he's, he's my guy. 
I mean, that's yeah. he was your guy before he was my guy, but now he's he's definitely my guy again just because right. look, like we saw what the guy could do when you just get the ball in his hands and you get him an offensive line that knows what it's doing and my my hope for him is that because he's not going to get drafted in the first round, that'd be that'd be no. really surprising unless somebody's just crazy, crazy high on him. I kind of hope that he follows a little bit of the Debo Samuel path, where somebody takes him maybe in the second round and just has a plan for him. We saw how well Debo Samuel yeah. was used with the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan was willing to use him in their run game packages as well. Like, look what Lynn Bowden did leading the SEC in rushing this past year. I mean, it's crazy yeah. to think about. And if he can go to the right place, I mean... Rams, Patriots, Eagles, just somebody that has an offensive clue, not the Bears. I, I love I love Lynn Bowden too much to watch him go to the Bears and just be forgotten about for the next 10 years. What did he run in the 40 in? He didn't run I mean, the 40. I mean, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think so. Because it's like, because Debo had a pretty good 40 time, didn't he? Like Those two, I don't know how, like, maybe I've just, I don't remember it because like, I, I didn't watch him play receiver last year or return kicks, but I Debo was just so electric in the open field. Debo had the durability issues as well. And I mm-hmm. I mean, I remember when he when he got picked last year, it was like, whoa, the 49ers are kind of going up and, and getting him. I thought he was going to maybe middle, you know, late second round. And he was like one of the first picks of the second round. So I'd love to see Lynn Bowden follow in those footsteps. I think that'd be yeah. great. Um, another receiver, Van Jefferson, Florida. Guy Florida fans really have been banging the drum for the last few months. If you mention any sort of draft sleeper, he's the guy that people always seem to bring up. Um, has right. a foot injury right now. That could make him fall in the draft a little bit, which sucks. Um, the shame that that he's got to deal with this, the, the timing of it, not ideal. But such a good receiver in the slot. Just great route runner, possession guy. Somebody who could succeed in the NFL. Had a great combine. Yeah. Had a, well, didn't his combine, wasn't it cut short? Um wasn't it cut short because the earth. Did he, did he? Oh, am I thinking of the other Florida receiver? Who ran like the the, the forty that was so so fast? Are you thinking of Tyree Cleveland? Not, yeah, no, not Tyree Cleveland. Who's the other one? Let's see. This this draft guide has done nothing to help me. This entire like <laughs> Kadarius Tony, even scrolling. though he's back, <laughs> even no, though he wasn't good. there. Anyway, I mean, regardless, I I think uh, I thought there was there was one that had had like he ran like a sub four. Four or five, maybe. Like it was, it was a really good, really good time. Anyway, but I, I agree with you. I think he's, I think he's a great day two guy. I don't think he's going to fall to day three. Van Jefferson was really good at the Senior Bowl too. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's kind of where people first started to get him a little bit of love, at least in the you know the, the draft world. Uh, Daryl Taylor. I struggle not to say Daryl Carroll. I almost said Daryl Carroll. That would be You're bad. welcome. <laughs> Tennessee edge defender. Our guy Matt Miller had him as the top riser in the draft a week ago. Not going to be a first-round yeah. guy or anything like that, but really thrived with Pruitt the last couple of years. Um, just gets to the quarterback. That's that's what he does. Probably more of like a third-round guy, to, or not a third-round, a third-down guy to start off his career in the NFL. Just tell him to tell him line up, get after the quarterback. That's all we want you to do. Put him with... Yeah. Put him with Mike Frabel, Tennessee. I think that could be match made in heaven, potentially running okay. that running that three four and gets to stay within the state. But another guy like mid value, mid round value. Think that he would be somebody that could potentially, as Matt said, rise even higher and be maybe one of those second round guys that comes off the board. And you're like, whoa, didn't necessarily didn't necessarily see that coming. But guy had a really good career at Tennessee. Not sure if yeah. we gave him enough love. Guy that's very familiar, Clyde Edwards Lair. Hester just loves him like a son. That is his fifth son. That that's it right there. Um, my favorite player as well. The 2019 season was Clyde Edwards-Lair. Um, if he falls past round two, something something is wrong with with NFL front offices because that dude. Yeah. I mean, he deserves to come off the board in the first two rounds. Would love it if the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Rams, like if he got to play alongside Pat Mahomes or, you know, you see him getting to replace Todd Gurley potentially in L.A., maybe playing alongside Tom Brady. There are a lot of teams with good offenses, good offensive minds as well that need a running back. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the more you watch that guy, you're just convinced that he can do anything. And he kind of fits the build of like this modern running back guy that can play all three downs, does everything in pass protection, catches pass out of the backfield. How did he 55 catches last year? I mean, he had like a billion against Bama. Okay, well, I mean, you have to say it like that. Sorry, yeah, that was, that was uncomfortable. But, but like 55 for a running back is, 
That's impressive. Oh, okay, hold on. I found it. <laughs> what, what page are you it on? It was Nine, worth it. 955? Yes, honestly. Marlon Davidson, 63303. I'm glad I just took that long to figure <laughs> out I was wrong. Did I guess? I, I was going to guess like 305. <laughs> like Pitbull. Right, let me scroll back to the top. Give me a couple minutes. I got to get a Gatorade in my, in my system first. All right, Marlon. Anyway. Do you have any other of the non-first round guys... And I, I wouldn't even say, like, Grant Elpit has been mocked in first rounds. Trayvon Diggs kind of late in the first round as well. Not including those guys. Are there any guys that kind of jump out to you? You're like, yep, I'm going to buy stock on them right now. They're going to succeed in the NFL. So, Alberto. I oh, mean, that's a good one. That 40, I mean, that, I, we did that thing last week. It was like, which, which day two guy will have the longest career? Logan Stenberg and Alberto. And I think that, that Alberto, especially, like, tight ends are so, so just they're utilized so well in, in NFL offenses. Like, they, they can True. be like a focal point without necessarily being a focal point. And when you have a guy that's like that size, and we saw the flashes when he actually was in games. Like I, I thought he was the best tight end in the country going into last season. And the fact that I mean, he, he, only, he never played more than nine games in a season, didn't he, didn't he also have a – wait, what was the touchdown streak that he had? That I don't know. You're going to have to look at your Good. pro football Probably focus draft guide. Let me, let me go back through here real quick. Um no, I think like a guy that is that big and can move that fast because he was what two forty eight or something like that. He was a big, big dude, and and ran a sub four or five. So I think him at the tight end position, Cam Dantzler, I think that's like a fringe first round, like pick any other year. I like he he is, his resume alone, is, is very impressive, and the fact that like. If, if I feel like if the NFL wasn't going to take 18 wide receivers and 17 quarterbacks this year in this draft, he'd probably be in the first round. Because yeah, um, there's really not a lot of those in terms of like the, the lockdown corners in the top 10. Okuda's kind of the guy. And then after that, it's kind of like, who's your preference between C.J. Henderson and Christian Fulton? Um, who am I forgetting? Um, A.J. Terrell from Clemson, uh, even though he got worked the national championship. Uh, yeah. Who else? Who else am I forgetting? But like those are those are I kind of like Diggs the main. Is up there, but I don't know. Yeah, Diggs like, is I mean, like one, it's, the... the Fulton. Like I've seen a lot of mocks that Fulton slipped to the second round, and I have no no idea why. Um, the other one was I was going to say was uh, Jonathan Grenard, the kid from Florida. Mm. Had a they, really good season. Yeah. Todd Grantham's defense. Well, he finally got healthy. Yeah. And so I, I feel like that kid. Like I've seen him. I guess like projected in like third and fourth round, which I don't understand because the production level he had is. That doesn't match at all. Um, Justin Matabuke from A&M. He ran a 483. Have we ever figured out the proper way to pronounce his last name? I think it's Matabuke. No, and he's graduating now, so we don't ever have to. <laughs> Why um, don't we, you know, we call him Albert O. Why don't we call him Justin M? Justin, that's good. It doesn't have the same ring to it, but that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, so then, and then I'll tell you what, another one, Lawrence Cager from Georgia. Yeah. We forgot about him so quickly. We did. We we absolutely did. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think if he was healthy throughout, you know, the end of the season, I think that'd be maybe different yeah. kind of factoring in our decision. But yeah, he's another guy that you saw what that what that offense looked like when he was not on the field. It was ugly, especially with well, the passing mm-hmm. game, especially. Those are good though. So um, we're we're just gonna squat I, on all of those guys, and if those guys ever get good. We get to yeah. then say, hey, look, I told you, obviously, he was the guy that we were, we were, we were betting everything on. Should have listened. Um, so I have a question for you just before we move on to the next, next topic. If, like, DeAndre Swift is projected as the number one running back off the board almost everywhere. Yep. And Jonathan Taylor is projected, like, mid-second round. I, I love DeAndre Swift. Who would you take? i take DeAndre Swift over over Jonathan Taylor, but I think, and it's not necessarily just the uniform thing. Like I've, I've been banging the drum. I've said many, many times, friends don't let friends say that Jonathan Taylor is just another Wisconsin back. He is not yeah. Ron Dane. He is, he is not these guys that you have come to know that you've been like, eh, you know, not really. He's, he's not Monte Ball. Like he's, he's not that. No, he's he faster than all of them. Yeah. He's very, very fast and very productive. I worry about the workload with him a little bit mm. because his workload the last three years Man, dude has just gotten hit a ton. And DeAndre Swift, yeah. even DeAndre Swift as a sophomore, essentially split carries with Elijah Holyfield. I mean, he doesn't have yeah. the same wear and tear. And I know that he's had a couple of durability issues during the last two years. But 
I think the wear and tear with Jonathan Taylor makes me kind of wonder how long of a career he's going to have in the NFL. Like, dude's averaging yeah. 300 plus touches every year that he's been at and Wisconsin. And a lot of it was in between the tackles, too. Yeah. So he's, I mean, just constant contact. That's but I, I mean, I love the talent, though. And I, I think that if, if I'm a team that needs a running back to plug and play right away, if I have to choose between Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Alaire, that is a really, really tough decision. I don't think you can go wrong necessarily with either one of those guys, but if I'm yeah. a team like the Rams or the Bucks picking in the middle of the second round, I got to make that choice. I think both of those guys are. Alaire over over Jonathan Taylor. I I probably would, gun to my head. I probably would, but I I would I would struggle with that decision. I really would. I, yeah, I think that he just head. everybody would struggle with that decision. And, and Edwards Alaire also does does a couple more things. He's more proven yeah. in the passing game as well, which yeah. you need to be able to have look, that. I mean, just edge. look at you, Connor, finally coming around to the SEC. Whoa, 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 whoa! Love it, love it. We've turned him. That's that's I just I was very surprised that he was it was so overwhelming like he was so much like an overwhelming favorite over Taylor, so. Yeah, I mean, I I think that people are still really enamored with the big playability with with mm-hmm. Swift, and not that Jonathan Taylor doesn't have that. He has had some breakaway runs throughout his career, but I think Swift, people have seen the 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 moments where you're just like, all right, that that dude does something that the jump cut against Kentucky. I I still he's, look back on that play. Here, man. I, it's it's different, and that's that's when you kind of know. All right, this this could translate to the next level. Right. Let's do some gambling stuff, Uncle Chris. It's been too long. Tell us about Let's our friends at Bet Online because you just won like thousands of dollars playing poker last night. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. I want you guys to go play poker. I'm not so I'm not trying to brag on myself. Usually, nah, this time you I'm are. gonna brag. You on are myself. a little bit. Yeah. This time, well, yeah, I am a little bit because I forgot how good I was at this. Uh, this time I'm 100% going to brag about this because so le- go over to betonline.ag. We're going to talk about their NFL prop bets because there's actually stuff to bet on sports-wise this week, um, like football-related, not just table tennis. But if you haven't already, get on over to betonline.ag. You can play online poker, which I know sounds weird and very 2007-ish. I don't know. Um, it's fantastic. And last night, Connor, while the the, the MJ doc was going. Your boy entered a tournament for $50. How many people? 900. What? And Uncle Chris got, got a, a pretty big stack early, hit a, hit a few hands, um, and then just kind of coasted so I can make sure I made the money. That's what I always like to do first. Um, as I did that, uh, I got down to like, I think I was like, we got to the final table somehow. And there was eight people left. I had, you know, I'll just tell the story. I had aces, somebody had jacks, and he hit a jack. So I had 5,000 total chips. 5,000, okay? Everyone else at the table had at least 500,000 chips Ooh. or more. So I was like, this sucks. I'm like, this, whatever. So I was just like all in. I ended up doubling up like four times in a row and got back into a stack. And the next thing I know, knock out somebody, knock out somebody else. I'm texting my buddy. I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to finish in fourth place. As I texted fourth, somebody else gets knocked out. I won the whole damn thing. Jeez. It was a Christmas. So go over to betonline.ag. Peloton money. That's smart. Yeah, I got Peloton money now. Um, It's it's the easiest way to deposit and withdraw money out of any other betting website I've ever used. So get over there to betonline.ag today. We're going to talk about our friends from there uh, a lot this week because of the uh, the NFL draft as well. So, but yeah, play some poker with your Uncle Chris. Jeez, You're, you're crazy. You're out of control. We've got prop bets. A lot of prop yeah. bets. So, yeah. So, like, I mean, again, with like, BetOnline, I think they have... Where did I, hold on. I just got this stupid PFF thing still in the way. Um, if you go to the BetOnline website... That causes you way more harm they, than good. It, big time. I, I, my computer has been making noises ever since I downloaded this stupid thing. Um, anyway, if you go to BetOnline, they have the NFL, prop, or NFL draft prop bets up. And they're pretty interesting because they have... It's probably the most extensive list I've seen for like a draft for prop bets. Um, you can bet on whether or not each team, like every team in the first round will take an offensive or defensive player, whether or not the, there will be more offensive players than defensive players take in the first round, all that kind of stuff. Um, several like position things, like over five and a half quarterbacks, whatever. They also have team-specific bets, okay, and player-specific bets. So for the SEC, over under 15 and a half players taken in the first round. I'm going to take the 
under, but I still think that the SEC is going to set the record and it's going to get at least 13 players drafted. The record currently is 12, as we know, uh, for most players drafted in the first round by a specific conference. But 15 and a half. I, and I know so much. Adam, Adam and I had 17 in our mock draft. 17 SEC players coming off the board. Yeah. But I feel like there's going to be a few of those surprises. Yeah, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the under on that. Okay. Um, all right, so team-specific. Team-specific here. Uh, Bama over under five and a half. I'll take the under on that because six is the record. Six yeah, is- I don't understand why. Five and a half seems like way too much. Five and a half is a lot because it's essentially relying on you You know that two is coming off the board. You know that Wills. You know that Ruggs, Judy. Those are the four that everybody kind of has locked in. That's money in the bank. It's essentially allowing it to come down to do you think McKinney and Diggs are both getting in? Right. And Diggs is the one that's a little bit more murky. I think I think McKinney's getting in, but I think I think five. I think five. So I'll take the under on that as I'll well. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Jerry Jones is going to, no offense, because Delpit's a great player, but he's not the best safety in the class. Delp, or, uh, Jerry Jones is going to get enamored with LSU and like Delpit winning, like being a part of that team and all that kind of stuff, and he's going to take Delpit over McKinney. I'll bet you five bucks. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I don't, th- I don't see Diggs getting in. The, the other team ones, those are more interesting to me. Like the LSU over five and a half players, Auburn over one and a half, and then Georgia over one and a half. I, I think that DeAndre Swift, Swift sneaks into that late first round and gets taken. Yeah, so that, yeah, because Andrew Thomas is probably coming off the board. That's a good number, though. You have to put it at one yeah. and a half. You're not going to put it, not going to put it, nobody's going to bet it at two. Because there's not there's not like a third obvious choice because Jake Fromm's not necessarily in that conversation. I think the LSU one though, LSU can get to six. I mean, it can yeah. get to six. It essentially relies on the the two big question marks. Well, I guess there's three because if if Fulton's up in the air, though, I think Fulton's going to get picked. The bigger question How is marks. Fulton are, up in the air. His coverage grades are really good too. Speaking of PFF, yeah. PFF loves Christian Fulton. Um, I think, though, that the two guys that are really in question are Patrick Queen and then Grant Elpin. And if those guys both hit, then six is happening. I mean, it, it's that'll be that'll be locked in because Justin Jefferson, you've got Joe Burrow, obviously, coming off the board. You've got Caleb on Chasen as well. Like, I... So yeah, that's those are the two that would have to hit. And then if Fulton is a little bit more, you know, obvious in that conversation, but... It's, so, it's a fascinating number. It really is. Here's what, here's what always fascinates me about it. I always bring up Vegas, but like, like 2016, okay? This is when I, like, I really knew how big Vegas was, I think, for the first time. The election in 2016, the odds dropped from minus 600 for, uh, for Hillary to like minus 150 in a span of like the first two hours. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I wish I would have bet on that earlier in the day. And like they, it's like Vegas knew well beforehand. So if like, if you want to know where you think somebody's going, like if you want to make the bet on the LSU players, like as a whole, you said it, it was going to depend on uh, Patrick Queen. His his uh, prop bet on the first, will he get taken over or under the twenty fourth and a half pick? It's minus one sixty under. So basically mm. one and a half. Yeah, it's really good odds. Really good odds. He's actually going to be taken well well before the end of the first round. Um, Christian Fulton, same number. Uh, he, he said over, so he might be like towards the end of the first round or the second round. I just don't. I don't get that. I think Jefferson's a lock. Obviously, Burrow. Um, Caleb on chasing. Missing. He's a, he's a lock. Um, yeah. And then I, I, so I think five and a half. I just I don't know. But so you can also make bets on which team will have more players drafted between like Bama and LSU. LSU's favored by like minus one forty to uh, plus one hundred. And then Auburn and Georgia, which I thought was an interesting one. So, and there's actually a, a spread on it. So it's Auburn plus plus a half. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I, I I feel like Auburn and Georgia are in really similar spots. Really, really similar spots with the draft. Where who's that second guy for Auburn? Uh, Noah Igbonini. I can't pronounce his last name. Noah I. Let's call him that. There you go. Uh, but yeah, that, well, Georgia probably. Although you know what. Because Swift, we think Swift's coming off the board at the end of the first round. Dolphins, I do smoke screens. Um, that's that's been the most the most common place that I've seen him mocked. Unless you have somebody that 
you know, unless they trade out of that pick or something like that, right. then, you know, there's maybe just not as much of a market. Running backs can tend to fall if they are projected late first round, but I don't know. That those are those are interesting. I'd have to really, really like stop and, and monitor that closely as it leads into the draft if I wanted to bet on something like that. It's it's pretty cool because it's like I mean, again, it's like the most extensive prop bets I've seen for for an NFL draft. It's it's almost like the Super Bowl. So they have like what draft position you can bet on the exact round that Jalen will get Jalen Hurts will get drafted in. You can bet on the exact pick that two will get uh, drafted in. My two favorite bets though, if we're trying to make some money out here. The very first prop bet they have, Connor, it's like you wrote it for them. Total cats shown during the first round. <laughs> over or under a half of a cat. Oh, we're half. getting over. We're hitting over all day. Like this, that's guaranteed money. Believe in uh, something, the, man. The other one was, so where would it go? Um, Chase Young, will he, be, will he get drafted over or under two and a half picks? The under is minus 2,000. So just, just so we're 100% clear, because it's different as we're talking about picks, when you say the yep. under, do you mean later? No, no, he has to be picked between like first or second. Okay, so that would be the under. I got to right. I gotta so, re- reword this then later because I have my, my the, draft over-unders as well. The, um, the thing with that bet, the best value bet for anything on here, just hands down. Anything, anything on this uh, this prop bet board, it's plus seven hundred. You're getting seven to one on your money if you bet that he does not get drafted in the first two picks. And there, we just saw one of the mocks that came out like literally right beforehand. We brought it up earlier. People moving in to to try to take a quarterback early. It, that oh, those odds are so great. Those odds are so great. If you have to come up, if you're coming up with prop bets. And you have the will there be a cat shown in the first round thing? Do you have to like legitimately do your research and find maybe forty guys potentially who could go in the first round and do they own cats? Is that something that you I, actually I have to do? It, so it actually the the under on the half is actually where like the uh, the juice is on the money. It's minus one thirty, which is shocking to me. I just feel like if you're gonna have that many cameras set up in someone's office or home or living room, there's gonna be a damn cat somewhere. Being creepy as AF in the background. What does Vegas know about all these guys and their cats? That's right. Um, a few over-unders that I wanted to throw at you, Uncle Chris. Second SEC player picked, and I guess this isn't an, uh, an over-under. Um, well, I, I guess, it, no, it is. Let's make it an over-under. Number four overall. So will there be somebody picked before number four overall? Second SEC player because Burrow is going to go first. Um, yeah. Or will there be somebody taken later after that? So the guys that would be in that spot potentially: Tua, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, Derek Brown. Not sure. I, I'm gonna say after them. after the fourth pick. I mean, Akuda's gonna be in, he's gonna be top four. Chase Young is gonna be top four. If unless they trade up to get him, which they could do, I I, I just would say they're gonna stay at five because I think everyone's gonna stand pat. Could potentially. Yeah, they're saying at four that the offensive line needs there as well. Could potentially factor for, for the Giants? Yes, uh, to go after somebody like Wills. Seen, I oh. haven't seen as much Andrew Thomas in that spot, but um, the yeah. Mackay Becton as well. How about this? SEC receivers picked in round one over under is set at three. Over. Jefferson, Ruggs, Judy. Oh, wait, hold the- on. Who's the other one? Exactly. Why'd you set it at three then, you jerk? Exactly. So nobody could make any money off of it. Um, I wanted to bring I wanted to bring that up though because this is this this should be the second time in the modern draft era that we see three SEC receivers drafted in the first round. Two thousand seven was the only other time that that happened. Dwayne Bow, Robert Meacham, Craig Davis. Only twice since then, the SEC had multiple receivers drafted in the first round. Hasn't happened since twenty fourteen. Guy named Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, you've probably heard of them. And then 2011, A.J. Green, Julio Jones. So kind of an unprecedented draft in terms of SEC receivers. The, the top-end talent, not as good as a, a Julio, A.J. Green year per se, but to have three SEC receivers taken in the first round, maybe a little bit of a sign, sign of the times, passing yeah. in the SEC, all those different things. Well, and, right. the, and the quarterbacks too. Don't forget that. That's that's the more – Top five. Yeah, that's that's the more unprecedented thing. Um, couldn't find any draft in which the SEC had multiple 
first round quarterbacks taken, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, I thought I, I looked that up like two or three months ago. Uh, I believe in 1936 we had old James Pappy McGee from Vanderbilt. He was had an electric year. He had 600 yards passing and seven touchdowns. It's I feel like high numbers like, for them. All of like the football stats you hear about from players in like the 30s and 40s are like how this don't take this in a wrong like in a bad way, but like it's almost like how like like a women's basketball stat line is like you know it's like such team it's a team sport it's like. And they, they execute fundamentals, so you don't ever see someone like, so-and-so had 40. No, it's like everyone just did their part. Candace Parker disagrees with you. Candace Parker was awesome. She was awesome. That's a good point. Total SEC players drafted in round one. We already did this number. Did you answer this question? I think it's going to be over. Yeah, they're hitting over. What, how, how, I do. Give us, give us your exact total of how many you think are I think it's going to be 16 on the dot. I, think, I mean, you're going to have Burrow, Wills. I'm not going to go through all of them. But I think I think the guy, like, I'm not going to pronounce his name, the quarterback from Auburn, I think he's got a really good shot at, Noah like, sneaking I. into the – Yeah. I think he's got a good shot at sneaking into the first round. I think um, I think, I think, think one of the safeties, whether it's Delpit or McKinney, will get in. Uh, Fulton, I think, will sneak in, or Swift. They're gonna, Kinlaw, Ruggs, Wills, Solomon, Derek Brown, Joe Burrow, Tua. That's, like, what, six players, seven players I just listed? All of them will go in the top 13. All of them. Solomon? Who did I say? You said Solomon. Not Solomon. Uh, Andrew Thomas? Andrew Thomas. Yeah. yeah. Close enough. Uh, I know what you meant, I think. Um, remember Canel last year? How fun Canel was during yes, the first round awesome. draft? There's no way Canel is going to be barking up that tree this year. He, he knows that this is going to be an SEC-dominated draft. And if he does that and gets dunked on like he did last year... It, your boy's not going to look too good. It made my night. I'll say that. <laughs> I think it He's made a good dude. Week. Over under Canel tweets, by the way. How about two, let's set it at two and a half SEC shade tweets that he has in the draft. I will, I will double down on this if there's like a, if a, like a parlay for it or whatever. He will say something about Isaiah Simmons being the best player in the draft yes. overall. Yes. Guaranteed. For sure. 100%. And then everybody's going to be like, better than Joe Burrow? And he's not going to respond to that. Yeah, you heard me. Yeah, you heard me. Um, this this was different than what we've done in the past because it kind of felt like we were doing what we used to do before all this, yeah. this freaking madness oh, happened. Hold on real quick. I forgot another one of my favorite bets here. Big Ten players drafted in the first round over or under the amount of Alabama players taken in the first round? I'm taking, the over. I'm taking the over on that. You're taking the Big Ten? Yes. They're, they're an overwhelming favorite. It's like yes. minus 260. Yeah. Ohio State yeah. should have multiple. Iowa should have multiple. Penn State, at least one. Yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking the overrun. Who's from that. Penn State? Eat your gross matos. Oh, yeah. How can I forget that? Yeah. Defensive end. Um, this was uh, hopefully um, something that could get everybody ready to go for the draft and, and excited for it because it feels weird to actually talk about a live sport event to actually have something to preview. But... The good news is we're going to be back on track with debates down south next week. The plan for that, and the good news for us is we've already done all the research because we made a last-minute decision to pivot to this. We are going to look at claimed national championships, the most egregious cases, the three most egregious cases. Which ones are real, which ones are not? Essentially. Believe me. I we bit off more than we could chew with that. I mean, I really yeah. think that we did. It's so messy. Looking back on all those polls and stuff, I, instant regret. You know, I just it made me feel better about myself though, because I just I thought it was only Bama that was claiming all the fake national titles. Had no idea Tennessee had been doing it for years. Also, didn't know Auburn was on probation in 1957. We'll get to it next week, guys. I'm so excited. Here's the other good thing. Today, already done this. We we already accomplished this. Already done this. Wow, oh, yeah. good English, Connor. Um, Mark Stoops, Casual Friday, great interview. Let's just say that he remembers the famous tagline that we had last year. Had a, had a lot of fun with quarantine version of Stoops. So that's going to be coming out on Friday. We're going to have quick reactions to the first round of the NFL draft. We're going to do some important and wrong stuff, maybe a little bit of trivia as well. So that's going to be coming out Friday, and then we're going to have It Just Meant More coming out on Sunday. Hopefully everybody's okay with the new schedule. We're still figuring out what game we want to do next, but a lot of great content coming this week. And just follow all of our social media accounts and all all things SDS during this draft because 
I I say this humbly, we crush it during draft time. We really, really do. Yeah, I got calluses last year. The blisters, I got blisters on my thumbs. You were hard at work. Our news team dominates draft coverage. It's it's all that's going on. Besides the M, besides the Bulls doc, it's all that's going on. Let's just appreciate this for what it is. There you go. So, Tommy Tuberville, what do we have to remember? Oh my. Hey, Connor, listen. <laughs> we appreciate your vote this Tuesday. War, war tide. Talk to you guys. Thank you guys. Soon.